This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. We're always looking for new ideas and topics from our listeners, so please reach out, share your ideas. You can email us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com or connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and you can find links to all that in the show notes. Now, on to this week's episode. It's simple stuff, and yet it requires coordination. It requires somebody behind me to help me. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Trevor Durin. Today, I get to talk with Paul Martino, who's a co-founder and chief growth officer at Village MD, along with Dr. Karen Weatherell, who's a practicing internal medicine physician and a medical director for Village MD. For SG2 and many of our members, we refer to and think about Village MD as a physician group disruptor because of their really unique value proposition and mainly, and frankly, because of their rapid growth. I want to hear from Dr. Weatherell and Paul. Do you view yourselves as disruptors? What is working with Village MD like for patients and providers? Are you starting to get more calls from health systems and provider groups? The landscape for both coming out of, but at least turning a corner, fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. Is that changing the way you're working with different groups? I'll hand it to Paul first. Can you start by giving us an overview of Village MD? Most of our listeners know who you are, but how do you work with provider groups and where are you growing? Thanks, Trevor. Let me first start by saying appreciate being on today. The company this month will turn eight years old. And for myself and Dr. Clive Fields and Tim Barry, who started the company, it has been the most fun eight years of my professional career. When we started the company in 2013, the first clinic that we started to work with was Dr. Fields Clinic in Houston. It's off the west side of the Katy Freeway in Houston, Texas. Our work began with 13 providers in two clinic locations. And today, we work with about 3,000 providers. We're in 12 markets. Dr. Weatherill works in one of our more new markets in Phoenix, Arizona. And the company has experienced pretty rapid growth. What I like best about it is as I go from market to market and learn about Phoenix versus Houston versus, say, a rural market in Murray, Kentucky, the theme that I always hear is we want to provide the best patient care possible. That is the underpinnings of what Village MD is about. It's why we started the company. It's what we hear from market to market. And rather than me try to opine about that a little bit, Dr. Weatherill, you live it every day. Talk about it, please. First, let me say thank you for having me today. I certainly couldn't pass up the opportunity to be here. And it is always a great pleasure and so much fun to chat with Paul. Just a little background, I've been a practicing physician for 23 years, and I'm also a medical director for Village MD, as you mentioned. 17 of my 23 years as a practicing physician were spent as a part owner of a very successful medium-sized private practice. So I have unique insight into what it's like to be in a private practice and be a part of a larger organization. Additionally, while I love seeing patients, I realized along the way that I really love physician leadership. And that sort of led me into some other activities where I served as department chair of internal medicine. And now I have the great privilege to serve the organization as a medical director for Village MD. All that said, you might wonder why go from successful private practice to joining Village MD. And really, the answer is pretty simple. As is the case in life, things are 
constantly changing. And certainly we both know that healthcare is changing all the time. My partners and I realized that there was a shift that was happening towards population health and value-based care. And it made sense. Being in private practice is really challenging to have the resources, the infrastructure, the support, the team that you really need to have to provide successful value-based care. Yet we all recognized that value-based care, it just makes sense, right? provide exceptional high-touch care to patients, which results in improved healthcare outcomes and reduced costs. And oh, by the way, improve patient satisfaction and physician satisfaction. It's win-win. That is what we all want as primary care providers. So my colleagues and I sat down, we had some long discussions, and we decided to join Village MD and definitely the right decision. We have no regrets to be a part of an organization that's actually physician-led and operationally supported and understands the value of what we do and the fact that we're at the center of all of healthcare. And really as an organization here to just support what we do is just take care of the patient. It's so simple. Put the primary care provider at the center of all of healthcare and support them. And guess what? We do the right thing and we take care of patients the way we want our family taken care of. And Paul, you and I both know it. Nobody's doing it except for Village. Nobody has fully embraced supporting the primary care provider. From my perspective as a physician, and Paul always laughs when I say this, I'm just a physician. I'm just a doc. But support me to deliver the care that I want to deliver and all my colleagues. And that's the secret sauce. Karen, can you talk a little detail, maybe give an example? You talked about the team, the infrastructure, the resources. That just feels different being part of Village. Talk about what that really looks like. Oh, gosh, there's so many layers of support that I have from Village that my colleagues and I talk about this to physicians every day that are looking for something better, something different. Providers that are burnt out and under-supported. Village has really invested in the infrastructure. They've invested in an excellent EMR which if you've ever spoken to a physician is a crucial part of our day. I don't usually hear the word excellent connected to it. So, And I don't ever say that, except for this EMR is excellent. And I don't say that lightly. Village understands the need for excellent MA support. I can't do my job without an excellent MA or two, depending on what I need. And usually it is more than one. So an MA and a great EMR, well, holy cow. That's like what most people don't even provide, I will tell you. And it's pretty simple, but it requires resources. And then on top of it, we have billing and coding support. We have a population health team. We have pharmacy integration, one of the most underutilized resources. A pharmacist, holy cow, medication adherence. Why are your patients not filling their medications? Now we have pharmacy to align with us, to sit and talk to our patients, to help them synchronize their medications. Ask, why didn't you fill your medication? Get a therapeutic substitution and not kick it around for a week as to why the patient still doesn't have their medicine. It's simple stuff, and yet it requires coordination. It requires somebody behind me to help me. And then... We have Village at Home on top of that to help my patients that can't get to me anymore. So there's just so many levels of support and it just makes sense. And yet other organizations have not put themselves in the position to provide it for whatever reason. Karen, you're a powerful evangelist and I feel like I have a good sense of the value proposition from the provider perspective. I'd like to dig a little deeper into understanding if there's a value proposition from the health system side. That's traditionally SG2's members. That's who we spend our time talking to. And one thing I've heard, especially in the last six months or so, is a different look at the economics of owning and integrating with their physician enterprise. Paul, talk to me a little bit about that. 
are you getting more calls or getting more interest from the health system side? And is that the value proposition they're going for? Or is it maybe something else? So it's a great question. I would refer to a meeting that I had earlier this morning with the board of directors for a denominational health system. This is a multi-facility system. It's about a $3 billion in revenue system. We've been working and talking with them now for the better part of a year. And the focus has been around what I had said earlier. What we do well is optimize efficient primary care. And what the system needs, what they want to protect against, is worrying that the primary care base, as they call it, won't continue to use their facilities. Sometimes I think people are confused about Village MD and what we really are. Sometimes people will say, oh, those guys are the hospital haters. And the fact of the matter is we're not at all. We need good institutional care. We need good ambulatory care. We need good specialty care. We need all of those things that matter a lot For comprehensive patient care, what we do well is the value-based primary care model. And if a health system could see that a complement of value-based primary care providers complemented with their specialty care, ambulatory care, and institutional care together in a market are better than either one of us by ourselves, then I think we have a winning formula. There's a number of very large system executives that are kind of waking up to this notion. This particular system that I'm referring to, according to their accounting, not my accounting, they lose between $120,000 and $150,000 per employed primary care physician per year. We can help with that problem quite a bit. And oftentimes they'll say, well, if we've lost all this money employing primary care, what is it that you're going to do that's going to be so different that you're going to get a different economic outcome? When Karen talks about things like just do what we were trained to do best, which is comprehensive primary care, and that might include telehealth, it might include primary care in the home, it might include end-of-life counseling that she can speak volumes about relative to me. These are the sort of things that if you can orchestrate that in an integrated way in a market, you're going to get a better outcome. I'm going to ask you to go deeper on one thing. We are constantly trying to pay attention to policy changes. We have a new administration. There's new policy initiatives. And the newest MedPAC report really clearly puts Medicare Advantage in the crosshairs, targeting rebates and rates. And we expect that there's going to be a lot of pressure on payers and providers who are in value-based arrangements around Medicare Advantage. That's been a big part of your growth and your value proposition and the way you work with providers. How does it change the future outlook for Village MD if MA is no longer this growth bonanza? I think of it a little differently, Trevor. From my perspective, we are a company that works across all lines of business, across all payers. So Medicare, Medicaid, Medicare Advantage, commercial, When we started the company, we said we want to work with existing providers in existing communities serving an existing patient population. That was our stated objective. We weren't trying to go to open a new clinic and recruit pay. That was not our business model. My thought about Medicare Advantage is if our business is built around a clinical model that Karen talks about and describes, then I think the future is really bright and I think we have an incredibly sustainable business. Where I think people get into trouble is if they want to, what I'll call code up or overcode in a Medicare Advantage market so that they drive incremental revenue to themselves without really thinking about effective and efficient patient care. So depends on how you look at it. You might think your business is at risk. I don't think our business is at risk because of CMS, CMMI, institutes some changes as you just described, MedPAC mentioned, 
that's going to be actually advantageous to our business because ours is rooted in a clinical model. Karen, you're a physician. You're working in the model. Do you see it differently? No. From a physician perspective, I think that there's lots of opportunity for us to work together with hospital systems. I think when folks are working together, we have strengths. And I want to take that a step further. We've gotten a lot of visibility around this partnership that we have with Walgreens. And you ask the question, why did we do that? They tend to occupy some of the most convenient locations in most communities in America. Add to that extended hours of care, including weekend care, and then co-locate what Dr. Fields described way back when we started the discussion with Walgreens. He said, if you co-locate the most commonly used provider, which is primary care, with the most commonly used service, which is a prescription, you're likely going to get a better clinical outcome. So not only do we now know that you get a better clinical outcome, we've documented it, you can read about it in a white paper on our website, but it also creates a better patient experience. Karen, you've made the leap. You're going to be part of a co-located clinic. As a physician, how did you get there? How did you think about it? Patients want convenience. They want to not have to travel far. A lot of patients can't travel far, you know, Trevor. They just can't. If we reach them in their communities, I've even had patients come to me and say, you know, doc, I know I've seen you for like 20 years. There's now a clinic right around the corner from me that's closer. I'm like, that's okay. Guess what? My colleagues over there, and we're all in the same EMR, and we can transition you over there if that's better for you. Or if you need to have some of your care there and some here, that's okay too. It's really about focusing around the patient and Village is really here to help support what we do, not get in the way of what we do. Thanks for those answers. Thanks for those examples. I'm with you, Paul. I see there's a revenue side model to tackling MA and there's an expense and clinical model and they're going to feel different impacts as there's rule changes, et cetera, from CMS. So yeah, that's a fair answer. I'm going to pivot to a higher level because I'm putting myself in some of our member shoes and many are looking out and seeing VillageMD is already in my market or thinking, what's it going to be like if VillageMD or other primary care disruptors come to my market. So tell me how you think about the map of the country and growth opportunities. Are you proactive in certain places because of certain circumstances that you know are going to make it easy to be successful? Or is your technology platform and care management infrastructure such that it doesn't matter as much and you can be opportunistic and kind of make it work when there's a willing partner in that market? My first part of my answer is if it were easy, everybody would be doing it and we'd all have it figured out. This work is very difficult. It's behavior change work at the patient level, at the physician level. It's conflicting economic, I'll call them disincentives. There's so much that is working against what we love to talk about and describe. It's hard as heck. Do I think that future in markets and growth opportunities are there? I think they're there, as Karen said earlier, all over America, from rural Kentucky to major metropolitan areas like Phoenix, Chicago, Houston, Atlanta, the opportunity is there. I don't worry about the growth of our business. There are markets that look like some of the ones that we're in today that we will continue to get into. We have evaluated the top 100 MSAs in the country with a scoring algorithm. And there are some markets that are particularly difficult where we might say we could go to Pickett, Southern California, but there's other places for us to do work before we head to Southern California. So we've got a pretty good sense as to markets that we think there would be good opportunity. And the most important ingredient for us is to find good physician leadership. 
We talked about MA a little bit, and I like the long-term growth vision. That's exciting. Talk to me about some of the details, because I think one of the pieces that's really valuable from a physician perspective is you have expertise in value-based contracting and building incentives and a relationship that's going to work well for the providers and the partner institutions. Talk about growth opportunities. Maybe it's managed Medicaid. Maybe it's direct to employer. Is VilgeMD already playing in those spaces? Do you see specific growth pockets? Break that down a little bit and talk about contracting to the degree you can. Yeah. Across the board, we are in and aspire to always be in risk-based contracts. We're not afraid to take downside risk. We have several globally capitated Medicare Advantage contracts in multiple markets. We have recently applied for, been accepted, and are now live in the Medicare fee-for-service program called Direct Contracting Entities. We applied for seven of them, and we were approved for all seven. Those are full-risk direct contracting entities. Think of it as a proxy for global capitation and Medicare fee-for-service patients. We are in commercial contracts. We are in managed Medicaid contracts, shared savings managed Medicaid contracts. If we want to meet a physician where they are serving a community, then we have to look ourselves in the mirror and understand what the community is. I don't want our business to migrate to, well, we can do really, really well in Medicare Advantage, and so let's only do that. That's not the goal and the purpose of our company. The purpose of our company has been to really optimize care delivery and cost, quality cost, in a patient population. How do I know that we're getting there? How do I know that we're moving in the right direction? Our net promoter scores are 90. Compare that to Apple, which I think is like 77 or something like that. If you're doing your job and doing it well, it'll be reflected with the patients. And back to the contracting, why and how do we get payers to go along with us? It's because they see the results. They see the quality results. They see the Medicare star ratings. They see the performance and shared savings. There was a book not long ago that was written about Herb Keller, CEO of Southwest Airlines. And he had a lieutenant that was going to leave to go start the Brazilian airlines for the government of Brazil. And he was kind of nervous to tell Keller that he wanted to leave. Eventually he did. And Keller said to him, thank you for the support. Do you have any advice for me? And he said, yeah, take care of the crew. The crew takes care of the passengers and the passengers take care of the shareholders. For us, take care of the physician. The physician takes care of the patients. And when the time comes, the patients will take care of our shareholders. That's a nice answer to wrap up on. Thank you both for sharing an exciting story. I know I and many of our listeners will be paying attention to your growth and your partnership development. So thanks so much for sharing your story today on SG2 Perspectives. Thank you. Appreciate the time. This has been another episode of SG2 Perspectives. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Please connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter at SG2 Healthcare. You can also reach us via email at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Reach out and let us know what healthcare trends are most important to you. Please also listen and subscribe to our colleague, Dr. Tom Villanueva's Modern Practice Podcast on Vizient's Medical Leadership Channel. Tom discusses key healthcare trends through the clinical leadership lens. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.